0: knows John Glenn is? he er- er- got tied. John Glenn. <laughs> John Glenn, first American to orbit the Earth in space. What? Was a senator for the state of Ohio. Oldest man to go back up into space, because he's a PT God. Before all of that, he was a fucking Marine. An air winger, though. A pilot. <laughs> right, Captain Smith? Right. that camera. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> John Glenn, 1974, ran for a Senate against a, against a politician named Howard Metzenbaum. Howard Metzenbaum was a sorry motherfucker. John Glenn, at this point, was a Marine. First American to orbit the Earth in space. Howard Metzenbaum asked him, how can you run for Senate when you never held a job? What the fuck would you do if somebody said that shit to you? Now, I'm going to change a little bit of this. I can. It's my world. John Glenn said, is that right? I served 23 years in the United States Marine Corps. I fought through two wars. I flew 149 missions. My plane was hit by an aircraft fire on 12 different occasions. I was in the space program. It wasn't my job. It was my life that was on the line. And this wasn't a 9-to-5 job where I could take time off and take the daily cash receipts to the bank. I asked you to come with me as I went the other day to a veteran hospital. And you stand there. You look at those men with their mangled bodies. You look them in the eye and tell them that they never held a job. You come with me and visit any gold star mother. You look her in the eye and tell her her son never held a job. You come with me to the space program and visit the widows and the orphans of Ed White, Gus Grissom, and Roger Chase and you look those kids in the eye and tell them that their dads never held a job. You come with me on this Memorial Day weekend coming up to Arlington National Cemetery where I got more friends than I'd like to remember. And you stand there, you watch those waving flags, you think about this nation and you tell me that those people never held a job. Fuck! I'll tell you, Howard Mesa you should be on your knee every day of your life, thanking God that there are some men who have held a job And they required a dedication to purpose, a love of country, and a dedication to duty that was more important than life itself. Their self-sacrifice is what made this country fucking possible.
1: Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. This is a very different episode. Uh, It's it's important because in life, you know, as you grow up, you're taught to do the right thing. And, you know, there's a situation that's currently ongoing. Three uh, Marine Raiders. The right thing is not being done. So my two guests... For this podcast is Fred Galvin, a retired Marine Special Operations Task Force Commander, and Destiny Dreyer, who is an Army veteran, uh, a MARSOC wife, and a Gold Star wife. Um, so I'd like to thank both of you for taking out the time to come on the podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay, so can we start by... Explaining the situation, um, what happened on the night that the incident took place, and then walk through some of what's happening that's really unfair to these Marines.
2: I'd be happy to. And, John, I'd like for your listeners to imagine, if they could for just a second, to be in a situation that these three men are in. So imagine— you as a listener, were out with your friends because you're about ready to celebrate being promoted at any job, and most people can be familiar with this. You're, you're setting out to enjoy yourself with friends, having a dinner, relaxing, and somebody comes up and begins to insult you, uh, becomes aggressive, threatens to attack you, and that individual is removed from the premises and on his way out, threatens that he's going to settle a score and, uh, you know, get after you. You don't really know how it'll end, but they evict him. And uh, you finish the evening. You're, you're ready to go. Uh, you walk outside with you and your two friends. The two of you are about ready to be promoted. You're, you're still in a, a good mood. And here is this uh, gentleman. In this case, it happens to be a retired Green Beret. Who's intoxicated, angry? He's outside waiting with seven of his closest friends. Well, this uh, this isn't some fairy tale or bad dream. This actually happened just over a year ago. Is uh, these three men from Marine Special Operations Command were overseas in Iraq, serving our country on New Year's Eve, and instead of uh, being able to enjoy the rest of their evening celebrating. Uh, about to become promoted, shortly thereafter, the bad news happened: is uh, that retired Green Bray went in and continued his insults, pushing, and then used two punches to assault one of these. And uh, on his third attempt to uh, finish him off, this Green Bray was hit by one of the other Marines with one punch. Fist punch. That was it. No headbutt. No no kicking. No weapon. Uh, just the minimum use of force. The Green Beret, who was, was drunk, did get knocked out and later on choked on his vomit and and died four days later. Uh, a situation that was was not intended by any of these three Marine special operators. So. A situation like this, you think, well, okay, what really happened? They had a, one investigation called an Article 15. It led to another higher-level preliminary investigation in a courtroom, an Article 32. And then this summer, it was referred not just to – there was three types of court-martials. This has been referred to the highest form of court-martial, a general court-martial – and uh, the constant, the the charge is manslaughter. So this is heavy consequences in a very similar situation happened some different circumstances, obviously, but something similar happened when I was a task force commander, Marine special operations task force in Afghanistan. And we were attacked by the Taliban. We returned fire. We, We killed the enemy, we returned to base, and we were actually, you know, in a, in a good mood, thinking that everything worked out. However, and this is the key thing that ties these two cases together, but our leaders believed all the propaganda. They believed all the stories that were from the other side, and before our side could really get out, they they took the other side as it was gospel truth, and then they charged us with homicide, 19 counts of homicide, and and 50 counts of wounding alleged innocent women and children and elderly. So you say, so what? This is kind of different. It's this I will say that this is the same exact command. And when I was charged and relieved, I was sent back to work in the headquarters, just like these three men. And the boss who I worked for at that time, when I was sent back, was a gentleman named General or then. He was Colonel Dan Yu, And that name will ring a bell with some as he is currently serving as the Marine Special Operations Command Commanding General. At that time when I was working for him, and they were doing this investigation, just like is going on with these three men in their case. I I asked Colonel Yu then, who was my boss, I said, Hey sir, have you heard that this is going to a courtroom trial? I've I've been getting some rumor that i just want to confirm or deny and the staff judge advocate he worked just five doors down the same hallway that general you did and i did and uh so general you pled ignorance and said he didn't know anything at all about this and then we went to court we were given ten thousand pages of documents they wanted to send us court in 10 days basically they overwhelmed us and that's a I see a lot of these similar traits happening in this current case with these three men. Uh, in our case, there was two of us, myself and one other officer that went to trial. Um, originally they came after seven of us, then it came down to two of us, but uh, it went into the courtroom. It was the longest trial Marine Corps history. And you say, so what? Well, less than two miles away from where then Colonel Yu worked, we had, the uh, courtroom where we were in court. This is, like I said, longer than any trial Marine Corps history. And did Colonel Yu show up? No, not one second. No one from, you know, the leadership showed up at all in the courtroom during the longest trial. It's so close right there. You have to drive by it coming in the gate at Camp Lejeune, but uh, not a single person. And that's what really kind of breaks the psyche of of men who are in trial, that nobody is in their corner, nobody has their backs. And that's the current situation. And I'll, I'll allow Destiny to talk a little bit about that. But when you feel that the entire command has abandoned you, has about faced and will not support you because the pressure inside the organization is so high, you do not feel that there is going to be a fair trial. And that's that's what happened then, it's what happened now. And I will say this: even after the acquittal, after after we were cleared of all allegations and charges in the marsoc Seven trial, then Colonel U. At that time, I was requesting, "Hey, I want to go back overseas. I want to, you know, get out of the penalty box and and deploy." And uh, I was requesting to go to Third Battalion. The then Colonel U went to the battalion commander and slandered me up one side and down the other, which I have a letter from that battalion commander claiming this is exactly what happened. i talked to him numerous times. I know what he said is true. Uh, this type of abuse of authority, this type to destroy somebody after they were acquitted and, and perpetuate the guilt and prejudgment. That's what this type of leader is. And one more thing, John, I'd like to tell your readers is, when we came back, all 30 men that were on that patrol where we got ambushed, we wrote sworn statements. They all said the same thing, you know, exactly what the enemy did that day. I even took a polygraph, a polygraph. I mean, if if all of our words aren't even good enough, I take a polygraph saying that there was no civilians killed. I mean, it was happened to us at nine o'clock in the morning. It wasn't at, at night or fog of war. I mean, we saw it with our own eyes. We stopped in the kill zone and we were blown up and shot at and We returned fire, we stayed there for five minutes, so we definitely saw what was going on. And that went to the command, but the the command at that point just dogpiled on us, sending 45 criminal investigators to seek and destroy and try to bury us. These these are the kinds of individuals, Naval Criminal Investigative Service that sent, uh, tried to threaten to deport one person's mother back to Mexico. Here's a guy who young Marine had legally immigrated, joined the Marine Corps, and they use these kind of tactics. And this is the kind of pressure that these men are now facing. Uh, Major General Yu is currently the commanding general in charge. He's a convening authority in these cases, deciding these three Marines lives. And, And there's always this mindset that they shouldn't have been there. They could have avoided this. And here you have a gentleman, you know, you look at, you know, Major General Yu, he was given second chances. Nobody, I mean, he got a, he was charged with driving while intoxicated when he was a young captain and they gave him a second chance for, I mean, he was doing something that only benefited himself. He wasn't being attacked. He was willfully, knowingly broke the law as a Marine Corps officer, any other officer, they're destroyed and he gets a second chance. And now he's put in a authority over this case. And he wants to hold someone accountable. He wants to show that on his watch, he's going to make sure that, you know, these, these men pay the price. And that's where this, when you see that these cases have a 98% conviction rate, when they go to a court-martial, it's not a fair situation. And it affects not only these men and their careers, it affects their families it affects their and their family's health is, we clearly saw in my case where one man got cancer, another got diabetes, another's entire system shut down the production of testosterone, which still continues to this day. There's no winner when you are listed as a, uh, someone that will defend themselves in a capital crimes case. So we urge your listeners to take action call their congressmen, become educated on this situation, and urge their congressmen and women to do the right thing to have this case dismissed.
1: Yeah, it's it's really crazy. I mean, this took place in Erbil, in Iraq. So er- Erbil, for the listeners, is basically the Kurdish capital of Iraq. And it isn't a very dangerous place, you know, compared to a, a Baghdad or something like that. Um, You know, it's it's they have parks, they have restaurants, they have bars, things like that. So uh, these three Marines are out, you know, like you said, just enjoying themselves on a night out. And then this this entire uh, incident took place. But what's really sort of absurd about the way they're being treated is all of this is on video, So there's video evidence of what took place and and they're still being treated this way. It's, it's kind of crazy.
2: It's just like the polygraph. I could go into so much details and I want to bore your listeners, but when I talk about prejudgment and the abandonment of our rights, as far as presumption of innocence, and there's so many times in our case where, you know, the leadership that was there at the time, he was a colonel then, but you know, they had the sworn statements of everybody. They even had a Afghan interpreter who was on our patrol. They had his statement, and he was an unbiased party, and they threw his they removed that exculpatory information. They they threw it away and didn't include it in the investigation. The gentleman that did the investigation of the ambush site. And looked at the impacts on our vehicles to determine what it was. He said that those impacts were from bullets, not from this explosive blast. Again, they threw that information out of the investigation. When we were on trial, every person, the ops over the Marine Corps now, Lieutenant General uh, George Smith, uh, another character witness, uh, the 2 MEF commander there in Camp Lejeune, Lieutenant General Boudreau. These men were character witnesses for me, but every time they and anybody that had anything that was exculpatory or just good character witness, they would remove the media entirely from the courtroom. So why I'm urging, and I've had this personal experience, is – and I hate to have these men understand what I went through because this is going to turn into a kangaroo court. This is going to be absent of any law or order. It goes on in a regular courtroom because the entire jury that's going to decide this is going to be from the Marine Special Operations Command. So all their promotions, all of their assignments, their retention, not just in MARSOC but in the Marine Corps, is decided by the convening authority, the man that's totally in charge of how this case gets adjudicated in the end. So in in this closed-loop system now that MARSOC is – You know, they don't let the special operators have careers outside of Marine special operations. They're all consolidating down into Camp Lejeune. So this is a nasty system, just like the old Carolina witch trials. And when the boss says, run them up the flagpole, that's what's going to happen, John. And it's going to take the people of the United States to care, to contact their congressmen, to demand that this case be investigated by it, an outside agency and they look at it for what it is this was self defense a man got attacked violently by somebody who was drunk and aggressive and unprovoked they used a marine stepped in to help his mate who's being attacked one punch it wasn't some haymaker he just solved it with the lowest use of force like he was trained and now these three guys are being charged with manslaughter this is insane,
1: it really is, John. Yeah, and you, you mentioned before that it has an effect on the Marines themselves. It also has an effect on their families. Uh, their jobs change. You know, they they're no longer allowed to do the same jobs that they were doing for for years and that they were good at. Um, so the three names of these Marines is um, Eric Gilmet, and he is a Special Operations Independent Duty Corman. So that's a Uh, essentially a special operations medic uh, for the Marine Corps, Uh, Gunnery Sergeant Danny Dreher, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Josh Negron. And uh, Destiny is uh, married to Danny Dreher. So, Destiny, I would like to talk about uh, your story a little bit, and then if we can talk about uh, how this is affecting Danny and how it's affecting you and your family.
3: Okay, so... um it was maybe a month after Danny came home because obviously he came home early. Um, I was pregnant at the time I was four and a half months pregnant. And obviously I'm hearing about all of this and, and, you know, I'm getting stressed out and he comes home and a month later, pretty much his SDA pay was taken away. And this is a pay that he's been getting, I would say like 10 plus years, um, On top of that, um, his clearance, his security clearance, was taken away. So now he can no longer do his job. So now he's forced to work in a gym and be humiliated in front of his peers. And his promotion was put on hold. He was going to be making master sergeant. And then um, the command at the time told um, everybody that they weren't, allowed to even write like a character witness statement for you know any of the guys so you know it makes me kind of think of the whole like soft truth that you know humans are more you know important than hardware but during this whole process it's we're going on like 17 months right now and i and two other families have heard nothing from the command no fro nobody, nobody's even like even checked up on us. So it's kind of infuriating as a wife and then being, you know, I, I've already lost a husband to the Marsot command. Um, you know, my late husband had passed away in 2015 and Danny and I, you know, we got married in, um, 2018. So, I mean, like with his mental state, I mean, I can't even imagine because, you know, he's only going to tell me so, so much, but like the emotions on his face, like you could tell, like he's stressed. You could tell like he's, you know, he's worried because this job is what, you know, helps him take care of his family. And then he's also worried about his future because now his name is being slandered and it's, it's out there, you know, like you can Google his name and, you know, you'll, all this stuff from this case has you know, come out and some of it is, you know, isn't really nice. So if he wants to get a job later on, like, he has to, like, tell somebody about, like, what happened, like, why his security clearance was put on hold. And so it's just it's just really, like, just disappointing. Um, and it's also, like, disappointing, too, even for, like, Rodriguez's family, because the government and the command allowed the family to believe that their loved one was murdered. So when I went into the Article 32 hearing, I'm walking into a hearing and, you know, just like Fred said, there's nobody in the command there, you know, to support these guys. And Rodriguez's family is sitting there. So it's like it's the dirty looks. It's the all these little things that they're saying underneath their breath until the second day when the video was actually shown. And then you could tell that the tone had changed. But obviously, I understand grief. So. When they got when eventually, you know, when they went home, you know, like their grief process has completely changed. So it's like shame on like, you know, NCIS for telling the family that shame on the command for telling them that. Because General Yu went to Rodriguez's uh, funeral, but not once did he ever take the time to maybe pull his men aside and actually have a conversation with them. He just made like an assumption and then just like I said, like the guy, all the guys, all their stuff was like taken away from them. You know, and. And even like prior to the Article 32 hearing, all this stuff was already taken from them. So the moment that they came home, they were already guilty. The command just made them guilty.
1: Right. And that's how they were treating them without going through the process of investigating or anything like that.
3: Correct. And. And just even even like NCIS, so it, it's crazy because in the Article 32 hearing when I'm sitting there, the lead investigator was on the stand and he actually said that Rodriguez was the aggressor the whole entire time. So if he's the aggressor the whole entire time, like why isn't the command like taking a look at that? I don't even think the command's even taking the, the, the time to actually read like the Article 32 hearing like the results of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's really strange um, that there is this sort of prejudgment, you know, that takes place in in the eyes of. Well, as Fred was talking, you know, General Yu, he's in charge of everything, and the the jury consists of members of the command. So it's like, if you don't go with what he's pushing, then are you going to get promoted? Are you going to get you know, you're gonna get this job that you wanted. You're gonna go do this. So it's it's really one sided. And the fact that he would go, so you mentioned Rodriguez. Rodriguez was the was the guy, the, the former Green Beret, right? Mm-hmm. So he went to his funeral, but then he doesn't show up to any of the hearings. You know, and that speaks volumes. Um, and and there's just there's a, a history of. Uh, Military men being accused of something and the military just not, um, you know, not going to bat for them. Uh, we, we saw some of it. I mean, it was a very different situation, but we saw some some of it with the Eddie Gallagher situation. Um, you know, the prosecutors were like trying to spy on the defense uh, attorneys by, you know, hacking into their email. I mean, just crazy, crazy things that are, are, are taking place.
3: Right. And and what a lot of people also don't realize is the prosecution works directly for general you.
1: <laughs> right. So, so it's like, how is that fair? And how is that justice in, in any way, shape or form when you're talking about justice as it, it is in the United States, you know, where you have a, uh, a jury of your peers and, you know, people are supposed to be completely unbiased and just look at the facts and the information and the, uh, you know the defense makes their case the prosecutor makes their case and then they uh, they decide from there
3: mhm and nobody ever takes in consideration like these are these are three men with very clean stellar records you know Danny has been with MARSOC since 2006 so since Marsock has stood up and before that he was with you know second second force so he has you know an amazing record there's no like bad fit rep evaluation for people that don't know what that is you know he he's been on the socom like parachute team like he's you know he's done beyond what what most you know marines have gotten to do especially you know with you know within the raider community and it's just this is a man that i mean he marched from like florida all the way back to north carolina to to honor like the fallen and so it's just it's just really crappy to see like the command like treat these three these three men like this obviously i can only speak for danny because that is my husband and everything but i just nobody takes like nobody like when you think about it like since nobody's like even like checked up on us in the past 17 months like how would you even know if like danny was like you know dead 6 feet under like in my backyard Because when you put somebody in a position like this where you're scrutinizing and you've humiliated them and and whatever it might be that the command is done, you would only think that, you know, it would drive somebody to drink it, you know, it would drive somebody to like beat their wife, whatever it could be, you know, it's just thank God I don't I'm not in that situation. But but it happens, you know, with with the amount of pressure especially like SOCOM already has like a very high suicide rate. You know, you have like, you know, PTSD and TBI and all these things. So it's just, I just don't know why you, you treat people like that, but you, you, you invest millions of dollars into like one individual, but you're so quick to throw them away. And and me personally, I've dealt with the command for the past since 2012. So it's like, this is a general that's only there for two or three years who will retire and he'll go work for a fortune 500 company and he'll burn somebody like Danny, Eric and Josh, why they have to pick up the pieces and they have families. Like that's what you do to somebody who's like fought for your country and have sacrificed time and would sacrifice their life.
1: Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's all about sacrifice and you know, these guys are, are combat veterans Um, you know, the, the Marine Raiders were, I think they were reactivated in 2006, Fred, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a, a new special operations unit, you know, there's a lot during the middle of two wars, there's a lot going on. Uh, The Raiders are out to prove that they can bring value to the situation. And, um, the Raiders have done that over the years uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq and elsewhere. Um, And Fred, you mentioned before the, the conviction rate is, I don't know, 98% or something like that. That's correct. And um, the only, what the only, the, the, the country that's behind that in conviction rate is, is China, I think.
2: Yes. China's conviction rate, you know, complete totalitarian government has a conviction rate of 92 percent they're definitely not known for their human rights and here we have they try to call it military justice and that's why you've heard the terms unlawful command influence and that is a true thing and what it is is it's prejudgment that's exactly what happened in this case they rushed to a decision and they're too prideful and it I'm going to use some other cases because they're they're factual. It's happened in special operations. Because this past week we celebrated uh, the remembrance of life of uh, Corporal Pat Tillman, who was a U.S. Army Ranger, played for you know the Phoenix Cardinals. Decided, you know, much like these men, that hey, I've been given these talents. I feel this conviction in my heart. I want to serve my country. So they answered their country's call, and here's a gentleman named Pat Tillman who gave up a multi-million dollar career in playing professional sports, which a lot of these special operators could have done if they chose to. And in Corporal Pat Tillman's case, he and his brother joined the army. They served. And when uh, Corporal Tillman was in Afghanistan, he was killed, but it was through friendly fire. So what did the command do? They did what's going on right now with these three men from Marine Special Operations. They covered it up. They said it was Enemy fire. They sprinkled and they gave awards for valor that were basically made up. And God bless the family of Pat Tillman, especially his mother Mary Tillman, who pressed and pressed and pressed. And after five investigations, it completely came out that this whole thing was a cover-up. And this is exactly what's going on right now: is leaders made these quick decisions? They believe the propaganda. And they won't, because of their own pride and their ego, they will not reverse their decisions. And unfortunately to the the men in this case and their families, there will be no apology. There will be no, you know, redemption and, you know, their careers. And it's just the sad thing is you look in our case, you know, for 13 years, you know, I've tried to have through a, you know, uh, an act of Congress, literally. In the 115th Congress, you know, Congressman Walter Jones with many other congressmen pushed to have this House Resolution 21, which was just to have the Commandant of the Marine Corps go public and say that the men in our task force were not at fault during the ambush. The, The Commandant of the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps ignored it for those two years of that congressional session, and it just died. And literally, the sad thing is, Congressman Walter Jones was going to respond. He was in the process of responsoring this in the 116th Congress, and Congressman Walter Jones died. So, you know, the Marine Corps, there is no forgiveness. There's no, you know, reversing and bringing people back in the fold. And that's all I wanted for a minute is to be brought back into the fold and to be a member of the team. Just like, you know, with the Native American culture, if something with a, a warrior happens, the chief, you know, the ultimate leader, he has to be the one that brings the warrior back into the tribe and to, and you know, I've tried that. I've tried to uh, for multiple years, allow our men who were the, not just the first to be selected and to train and to deploy and to fight, but to bleed. And a man was was injured on that ambush and in, in that battle and to have them awarded the Marine Special Operator Insignia, which the Marine Corps has denied. Unfortunately, they denied it for enlisted Marines. And uh, it's just a travesty. It's a, The Marine Corps is a very self-righteous organization. I hate saying that because it's not really dumb Marine Corps. It's individual leaders. And that's what we're talking about here. I mean, I love the Marine Corps. I love our country and our service. And I actually tried to get promoted so I could go back and continue to serve. Because after our case, I served for seven more years, and due to service limitations, they forced me out. I was petitioning while I was inside to, you know, have that adverse material removed from my record so I can continue to serve. And the only way to make that happen was be promoted. The Marine Corps denied it; they kicked me out. Even after, I mean, last year, John, the Department of the Navy said, "Remove this adverse material. Send him to a special selection board," uh, and the Marine Corps did just that. They removed the adverse material they sent me to special selection board a year ago in april 2019 And no decision there's been no official correspondence so the marine corps just did that to spite said hey we'll do what we we're ordered to do a decision made there's no announcement so you know in the same situation is going on with these men they will they will let the system grind them up and there will be no forgiveness there's a merciless heartless you know, system of leaders that are like this, because their focus is, as Destiny said, it's on the next level, and that is getting to be a board member for, just like Eisen, General Eisenhower, President Eisenhower said, if we do not get our military industrial complex under control, it will become the fourth branch of federal government, and just like the Marine General Dunford, who retired as a Chairman, of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Before he even retired, he got a position with Lockheed, the largest Lockheed Martin, the largest contract company in the in the world, and that's the contract company that uh, Mr. Rodriguez was working for. They hold a lot of power and influence inside the Pentagon, and these general officers, that is their goal, is unlike uh, Mr. Rodriguez, who was serving downrange. As a contractor, these generals get paid because a four-star general can get access to the Pentagon at any time. He doesn't need a badge. he uh, he has an incredible influence and persuasion to make certain people like we see these uh, most advanced fifth generation fighters, the f thirty five have all kinds of problems. Well, they're made by Lockheed. That's what General Dunford works for. That's what General U hopes to be able to work for. And if you buck the system, you're not going to get into the game uh, of being a board member. And that's what it's all about, is having a house in the D.C. area. that You have a tax write-off while you're living in Florida, and you're flying up in the company jet. John, Destiny, Fred, we can't even imagine this, but that's what goes on. And men like in the MARSOC 7 and the MARSOC 3, regrettably, our lives are disposable for their future and their fortunes. And that's the disgusting thing that hopefully your listeners will go on the internet, type in www.congress.gov backslash members and contact by phone and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to do everything within my power on social media in any way to make sure you do not get reelected unless you join Congressman Lewis Gomer from Texas as he is the chairman of the, Uh, Justice for Warriors Caucus, and ensure that this case is dismissed. This case is covered with prejudgment. And this was self-defense. And that's why I said, just imagine if you were out with your friends, any of your listeners, and you were attacked repeatedly, insulted, threatened, you're outside, and you walk out there and there's eight guys to include a drunk, retired Green Beret who's jacked. And he starts to attack you. And one of your friends just one punch ends it and you get charged with manslaughter. This is this is not justice. This needs to end right now. And the only way it does is you pick up the phone and you call and you make sure that they are very loud and clear that, hey, the I'm not going to let this case be ignored. And sadly, a lot of these congressmen, it's it's about who's donating to them as far as who they listen to and you just have to get it through their heads that being a politician it's a popularity contest and we're going to make sure that come November your butt's not in that chair in DC if you don't take action and join Congressman Louis Gomer to make sure this case is dismissed
1: yeah i would you know highly encourage the audience to follow these steps and, and do this and i'll put the um i'll put all the proper uh, links and uh, information in the show notes so people can uh, do that because this isn't just about learning about this. It's about taking action. Um, you know, cause these, as what happened with Fred, he missed out on promotions and eventually he gets forced out of the military, uh, even though he, it was proven that he didn't do anything wrong. So, um, you know, these kinds of situations are, are really unfortunate and I do see, see this a lot. Uh, Throughout, you know, the the last 20 years of war, um, you know, guys are being uh, mistreated when they're convicted of something, even before there's any case or anything that takes place. Uh, I mean, in a civilian court, if there was a video of you being attacked and then defending yourself, uh, and as a result of you defending yourself, the, the person who attacked you dies, you would get off on self-defense. You know, it's, it's no question about it. So, just the the fact that that's allowed to even get to this point where these three marines are are being humiliated, you know their families are going through it, they're being paid less money, and their careers are are basically being ground to a halt it's It's really a travesty destiny mentioned before. Danny has done some remarkable things throughout his career from Florida to North Carolina in support and honor of, of his fallen Marines. And it's it's just astounding that this could happen to people who are really the best that the country has to offer. So Destiny, when when Danny was on that march, are you talking about the the Rucking Raiders event?
3: Um, no, it was actually um, as a memorial march for the Raider 7, which um, one of those men um, was my late husband. So we were both on that that rut together. So, yeah, that's ah, actually right. where okay. I met Danny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A, a good friend of mine. He's a um, he's a longtime Navy SEAL. He was uh, at Dev Group for almost 20 years. And his brother in law was um, Thomas Sanders, who, who also yeah, that- passed away. In that. yep.
3: Um, yeah that was
1: uh my daughter's godfather yep so so he, he has a foundation now called the Operator Foundation, where hundred percent of the the money donated goes to helping the the children of of these men uh through schooling or you know whatever they may need i mean just like you said that uh, you know they they don't they're not allowing anyone to give character statements i mean it's it's really really messed up.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I mean, and there's, John? I mean, there's, sorry, there's just not much I can say about it. I mean, there's just the frustration and.
2: John, there's one other thing I'd ask for your listeners to do. And that is the last, it's almost been 17 months since this case has been going on. And I was, a. Uh, originally contacted by a uh, friend who we serve in the same platoon and he had mentioned, he notified me about this case as soon as it broke. And he just said, Hey, here's a situation. This man needs some help. Um, and I started to, um, just inform saying, Hey, here's the deal. I don't want to know anything, any of the details because, um, the way that the military justice system is, it's very corrupt. These prosecutors, like you saw in the Eddie Gallagher case, they will they will be very invasive and unfair. And you mentioned about, uh, you know, in his case, they go into Navy Times and they did hack into their files. And that's exact. In like our case, there was two of us that went to trial, and they they went into our personal emails. And of all the emails to different friends or your buddies, you no, know, what what did they provide to the jurors? They provided the emails between myself and my girlfriend, myself and my mom. None of them were wrong or had any kind of talk about the case or anything dirty. But they were just sitting there to show how invasive and psychologically they can mess somebody up. Their total use and abuse of power. And that's what we're talking here. And, uh, you know, obviously I've I've felt you know personal attachment to these these men their case their families because this kind of abuse of authority is going on and i would ask knowing that the deck, the deck is stacked against them for your listeners to also uh one of the things i assisted these guys with is i told them I'm like it's difficult for when it's a capital crimes case the legal fees are super expensive and i'd like to connect you with an organization I know, I'm not a part of board member. They don't have no financial affiliation with them whatsoever, only other than I have donated to them personally, and that is the United American Patriots. And I will personally say a case, and I've never had anybody donate, you know, I'd, we had a legal defense fund for our enlisted Marines uh, that I've found, you know, and pushed people to urge them to donate to. These illegal fees are substantial in a case like this. And in a civilian case, if you win, you know, there's a countersuit. In the military, if you win, you just go back to work, and you have to bear the burden of all the legal fees yourself. So a way that your listeners can join the fight is to, and in your show notes, if you would have uh, the website for United American Patriots, it's a – www.uap.org and their ceo uh he's retired marine lieutenant colonel david boll garfine and he's a, a fine man who's out there championing this case uh, and ensuring that these men have the financial support so that their attorneys can continue to legally fight and win this case because uh as you saw in eddie gallagher's case he had multiple attorneys one of them is, a uh, just one of them has a legal fee of a million dollars. And this is not a inexpensive situation that, uh, that financial burden that strain on in, an individual's mind is everybody right now. Who's so many people are out of work can understand having, you know, such huge debt and a financial burden like that can put a tremendous strain on any individual or family. So we really ask, uh, for your support financially to step up, uh, donate to the United American Patriots and, uh, help these three men ensure that this case is dismissed. And UAP is not only, uh, assisting to pay the legal fees, but they are coordinating in Congress, especially with Congressman Louis Gohmert, who, uh, Congressman Gohmert was a, you know, an army staff judge advocate himself. So, you know, he sees that uh, some of these prosecutors have gone off the reservation and involved themselves in misconduct in some of these cases. And they fought to have a, there's a, one of the men that works in Congressman Gomert's office is a former U.S. Army Sergeant, Derek Miller, who was falsely accused and eventually imprisoned because of the system for uh, actions he took on the battlefield in Afghanistan. And, and once again, it's, so many senior officers have carved out their careers clawing themselves one ruck of the one rung of the ladder than the next by throwing people under the bus kissing somebody's butt to move up the ladder and that's exactly what happens here is you have marginal mediocre officers like you know when colonel Yu worked as the operations officer for marsoc and I worked for him they had a command inspector general investigation because there was a a mutiny going on in operations and they brought everybody in every single rank in. It was a whole day. I'd never heard anything like it. I, I've served in some pretty uh, rigorous units and gone to some schools, but everybody was just venting about how poor his leadership is. And, you know, but kisses up, throws people under the bus, you get promoted just like in our MARSOC seven case, the ultimate convening authority. There was a gentleman, he was a Lieutenant general, in charge. And we all know what happened to Lieutenant General Mattis. He disposed of our case, threw us under the bus and picked up that four star. We all know how the rest of that ended up. And, uh, you know, some people say, Oh, General Mattis, he's a God. He's St. Mattis, St. James. Saint Ger- <laughs> Colonel, Now general you, he's a great guy. I'm not saying they haven't done good things. All I'm saying is right now, this case was decided because of a rush to judgment, and these men are a subject of extreme prejudice, and this case needs to be dismissed. The evidence is on a videotape, it's very honest, and there's so much command influence. I personally feel that this case will go to a courtroom, just like how it was in our case, where the prosecution tries to suppress everything and if the media gets allowed to get in there anytime that anything is exculpatory hopefully they won't but in our case they took the media out moved them two buildings over to this annie's steakhouse there at camp lejeune put them up on the second floor so they couldn't even hear from the lobby what was going on because it's a it was a kangaroo court and i hope to god that this does not turn out to be another carolina witch hunt because that's the way i believe it you know if Colonel, now General U has his way, that's, that's the way it's going to go. So your listeners need to take some action. This is not fake news.
1: So, Destiny, where, where are they at now as far as uh, the progress of, of any of these proceedings and things like that?
3: <laughs> well, I guess with COVID-19, everything is pretty much on hold. So it'll probably be, we'll probably hit the two-year mark, to be honest, like, uh, I mean, you know, we can't help what's going on in the world right now. Right. You know, you, you can't, like, fly out like lawyers during this time and witnesses. And so.
1: So you mentioned before that you hadn't heard anything from the command in, um, you know, a number of months, uh, mm-hmm. over a year or something like that. Um, so why is that unusual? Typically, w- would you have some kind of interaction with them? Maybe somebody calls up or something like that? or. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, you know, you have a family readiness officer, or I guess they call it a liaison, you would think just out of like, courtesy, you know, you would you would call because if Danny had never called me when he was coming home, I would have not had any clue, you know, what was going on. And the simple fact that, you know, like, I'm pregnant, I've already like sacrificed like one other like husband. So it's like, they know who I am up there because I, I do a lot, a lot of work with a lot of nonprofits that, you know, deal with the command. So it's not like, like I'm like an unknown figure there. So it, like I said, it's, it's just frustrating, you know, just out of courtesy. Like you have all these like family programs and you have somebody who sits up there who's supposed to, you know, be the, the communication between like your husband, while he's deployed and and here at home. So it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing Monday through Friday? you know, you're just you know spending taxpayer money, like what you're going to put on a family event, or you're going to put on these other like, these couple retreats, like none of their programs or the family programs to me are effective. You know, it's like I said, if you look at like the whole human side of things, and, and you, you look at family aspect, or you look at the divorce rate within like SOCOM, and, you know, you look at the amount of like, you know, physical abuse and emotional abuse within like married couples, and a situation like this, like where you're putting people in a situation where you're alienating them, like that can happen, but they don't care. To me, it's like, it's a game to them where it's like, well, you know what, we're just going to alienate them. And we're just going to wait until like, you know, things in their household get weak. So something does happen. That's how I, you know, that's how I look at it. It's just like when NCIS did come to my house, they came to my house right after I had given birth to our child. And they're standing outside of like my door, like in an L-shaped formation and like most threatening, <laughs> most threatening greeting I can give. But, you know, I'm, I'm a military brat and I've served. So stuff like that doesn't intimidate me. But of course, for any other person who just doesn't know or just isn't informative, like that, that is, you know, that is, you know, very intimidating and. You know, for maybe another wife, like she might sit there and she might say something and she might not even realize what she's saying and they're going to use it against her by, you know, just by standing at the door and, and saying something. But, you know, like we we have a lawyer. So, you know, when I answer the door, I'm like, I have a lawyer. If you got questions, speak to them. And, you know, I, I closed the door, but I just felt like the, the timing, it's like I said, it's a, it's a game to them and they're trying to be strategic in a sense, but it's just, it's threatening. And just, just with the command too. Like I you put all this emphasis on like family, but you don't give a damn about the family. Not one bit. This but you know, I've you know I've even told Danny, I was like, This is the same command that can't even put like the rank of like my late husband correct on a marble wall or spells people's names wrong. Like this is that that's the command that I'm dealing with, you know. So yeah. and this is also like I've had You know, my brother-in-law has had a run-in with General Yu who doesn't even acknowledge my daughter who's, like, standing, like, right next to him. You know, and that's, like, that's a little girl who's lost her father, who's sacrificed for that command. Like, he's a complete... He's just... He's just not my kind of people. And I just don't expect that from a general.
1: Yeah, it really is outrageous. And and you also mentioned before about how um, NCIS had led the family of uh, Mr. Rodriguez to think that their loved one was murdered and then the tape was played and then that kind of changed everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even the fact that they're willing to do that to uh, to his family who are grieving and, you know, they mm-hmm. lost a loved one. Um, it's outrageous. And then you also mentioned before, you know, the suicide rates are high uh, particularly within the um, SOCOM community and you know combat veterans who aren't being ostracized by their commands and and sort of uh, pushed aside and um, you mm-hmm. know mistreated. So imagine what having the pressure of all of that on top of your shoulders, the weight of that can can do to you. And it just seems like they don't care, or like you said that you know they kind of hope something happens so they can uh, sort of jump on that you know as soon as it of does of course
3: yeah like that's that to me that's exactly you know what they're they're waiting for i have like personal friends i have not they haven't gone through something like this but you know something on the lines of this where you know a wife is calling up the command saying like my husband's about to kill himself and the command is turn their backs yeah
1: it's insane Insane. I one remember. thing on that, John, yeah, but, I'd, like to,
3: yeah,
1: I'd
2: like to remind the listeners is Destiny was talking about, you know, what NCIS was doing. You know, she's, you know, standing there at the door. There, there are multiple NCIS agents lined up. And I want to remind the listeners that her husband was the one that was attacked. He was trying to calm the situation down, trying to deescalate. And he's trained to do this. And he's trying to bring this guy back down off the ledge who he's ready to go high order and and, and hit the clackers and detonate the claymores. I mean, this guy is drunk, charging. He, you know, and he attacked Danny, you know, multiple blows. And not only is Danny being charged, his NCIS is showing up outside his house with his wife and kids. Like, can everybody get that in their brain that this is this is crazy. This isn't, a, again, this is not fake news, and it's sad that the media doesn't really want to pick this up. And thank you, John, for you know for covering this because this mm-hmm. does need to be exposed. People do need to be aware that hey, this is going on. And guess what? Is this a couple data points? You know, you have another case that this went on just like this. You know, there was. Evidence, I mean, when all 30 men on the patrol, it's unanimous. One of those guys was the Afghan interpreter, and they completely removed his sworn statement from the investigation. But when you have everybody saying the same thing, and you have a polygraph from the commanding officer, myself saying the same thing, and the command knew all this, but what did they do? They turned NCIS C.I.S. They weaponize them and turn them against them because they have an agenda. They made a decision, and by God, they're going to stick with it because it – you never – John or Destiny, have you guys ever heard of a general going out there on the news and saying they made a mistake? Oops, I put that one in the bleachers. Sorry. Name an instance in modern history. I mean I I mentioned the Pat Tillman case. Nobody went out there and said, hey, we screwed this one up. This was wrong. Your son died. He was – Killed this was friendly fire, fratricide, it's awful, it's the mortal sin of the military to kill your own people. No, they just covered it up and they've continued to perpetuate it like they do in our case. They won't even award the badge, they just ignore it. They completely ignore it, and that's what they're gonna do here. They just try to la la la. And meanwhile, these men and their families who are not just good – men, these are not like the General you who's done a combat deployment. He's been downrange, and he's been on the battlefield for this combat circulation tour to make sure – and people are out there with a personal security detail, make sure everything's peaceful and quiet and there's no harm. That's a lot different than a guy like Danny Dreer and Eric Gilmett and Josh Negron who's seen the face of an enemy who's been – he was pulling the slack out of a trigger sweat and they can see it. They're at foul language distance. This is a lot type different type of a warrior that's at the front lines is these guys are then, you know, the perfume princesses that are making these decisions for their self perpetuation, for their benefit, because they want that boat and they want the big, they want the big money. And there's one way to do it. And that's to sacrifice these men. And that's exactly what that happened in our case. We were disposable, you know, time to sacrifice these guys because – and look at what happened. General Halik, commanding general, he got promoted. Look what happened to Colonel Yu. He got promoted. Everybody in our case got promoted except for the MARSOC-7, and that's how it happens is they will destroy innocent lives for themselves. And no other – besides a place like China or maybe somewhere in Tehran, Iran – or over in Pyongyang, North Korea, some place that's not known for justice, where it's a kangaroo court, this type of thing needs to be examined. There needs to be a special investigation outside the military to see this for what it is. There's a videotape. Why is not the military? Why don't they want that to circulate? Why don't don't they wanna share it? Why are people who, I mean, you have a corpsman who was treating, a corpsman who was treating this guy, put him on a watch, and immediately assessed, you know, treated, rendered aid. And he's being, he's one of the three being charged because these guys rushed to judgment. They believe the absurd, this this lie, this propaganda, and it, it happened the same thing in our case. It's a lot of pressure. And guess what these generals did? They buckled, they buckled, you know, these are the leaders that are in charge. And now we're supposed to be preparing to fight this quote unquote near peer war with possibly china and you got leaders like this that can't even win a war you know against people that wear slippers and carry rifles made in 1947 it's it's disgusting it's disgusting and these guys keep getting promoted and um something's got to be done it takes the people of america this is happening because the people of america are allowing it to happen They literally, they want it to happen because they're busy with their lives and checking out Facebook, and they're not gonna take action. And that's why it it just takes such a little time. Monday morning, Congress is is back at session, contact your either district office or they're in DC and say, I need to talk to your military legislative assistant. And I wanna talk to you about this case with the MARSOC-3. Educate yourself, be prepared to talk to it, send them this and just say, hey, listen, Everything you do, I am going to fight against you unless you fight for these three Marines' lives. These are U.S. Marines, a Navy chief petty officer that were doing their job downrange like they did multiple times. They spent their whole lives fighting and deploying and sacrificing, and now they're being sacrificed. So some guy can have a a more prestigious career and he can live a more lavish lifestyle because that's what it's going to turn out to be. General Yu wants that that next rung, and he's going to claw his way up and crush his head under the his own crush the heads of his men under his heel to get where he needs to go.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth um, you know you mentioned it before um, how he had shown up to the funeral, and there's a potential for him to work at uh, Lockheed Martin after he's retired which just so happens to be the place where the contractor was working for at the time that this incident took place. I think that's worth paying attention to uh, even after the case, because I think if he does end up working there, that speaks volumes about uh, what his motivations are. And also, I just want to say that Marines are not allowed to write character statements for these guys, for these three Raiders, I've been contacted by several marines well respected special operations marines with a lot of combat experience, clean records, that sort of thing. I've been contacted by several different people telling me to please get a podcast done about this because these guys are are all super legit stellar respected marines, and this is happening so you know even though they're not gonna let um, let them write witness a uh, character statements about them. I just want to put that out there that there are several people who are advocating for them to me. And, and I just wanted to put that out on the podcast. Um, so all of the information and instructions on how to contact the, your local politicians and the, and the correct people, I'm, I'm going to place that in the podcast notes. Um, so if people want to do that, you can check it out. Um, you know, get your your information squared away, and then make the call, uh, because that's really the only way that a difference is going to be made here. Um, if it's left up to General Yu and and um, you know the people who fall under him, there isn't going to be any form of justice here. So I, uh, you know, I want to thank both of you for coming on to do this. Um, it is an unfortunate situation but like you said uh, the only way to to do this is by uh, not allowing them to to continue on this path Um, so again thank both I want to thank both of you for coming on here uh, Fred and Destiny I really do appreciate it Um, this is something that people just don't know about so they're you know they can't take action but now hopefully uh, certain things will start going Um, and I want to thank both of you for your service as well
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Thank you so much, John. Appreciate
2: getting this word out. And uh, hope your listeners will take uh, every bit of action they can to help this case. Thank you.